Our number one marketing channel by far is word of mouth, mm -hmm. right? It's not the cool Naomi Osaka campaign. It's not the billboards you see. It's not the digital advertising we do. It's not the app. Uh, named most creative people in business by fast company, Forbes CMO next, Fortune's 40 under 40, Forbes 30 under 30, over the best hair among the three founders. We'll <laughs> dig into that one. Co-founder and chief brand officer at Sweet Green, leader of all things brand marketing uh, at Sweet Green, and also the top 30 hottest restaurant brand winner 2023, Nathaniel Rome. How you doing, man? Good, Nabil. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. I lost most of my energy reading your intro, so it's downhill from here. It's all downhill from here. Uh, which of those are you the most proud of besides the hair? I guess I'm just most proud of that I have two great business partners that we started this company with and we just celebrated our sweet 16 birthday last week. So yeah. um, that's probably what I'm most proud of. That's amazing. Also, we do lunch, a little bit on the nose. Green goddess. Green, goddess. green goddess. Green goddess. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I've been eating healthier and my goal look place good. has been, yeah, I, I, I was terrible terrible then i started eating healthier three months ago and it's a lot of sweet green and a lot of india yeah. have you tried india on the east I love coast India. Yet? yeah great oh, concept that's awesome awesome so uh, they are one of our earliest friends and customers all right so we jump on call with the incredible humans who have built this industry and this one is a special episode of people who have built this incredible brands out there i just gotta say one thing i'll fanboy a little bit and then we'll move on to the questions but i was the cmo at bear burger i don't know if you've ever been on the east coast of course and it was annoying. It was almost like people said, we'll take a shot every time Nabil mentioned Sweet Green. I just admired you guys. I was inspired by you guys at every level. And the reason Lunchbox started was because I'm like, how can we build what Sweet Green has built? Like that was the question. And we realized what you guys did was impossible. And the only way to do it is start from scratch and build a tech company. So that was the inspiration for our business. And I just wanted to share that with you and for anyone who has not heard that story yet. No, thank you. And I just want to give you guys a shout out. I feel like I've been following you guys for the last few years and just the evolution of the brand, what you guys stand for, the positivity in the industry. It's been really nice to watch and just a lot of kudos to you and your team for building a great company. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that. All right, so we're gonna jump right into the questions. No hot takes, there'll be no hot takes. At some point, I may ask you about East Coast versus West Coast, you know, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Besides that, I think it's all just smooth sailing from there. You grew up with such you know diverse background. Not only were your parents first generation immigrants, but they were also entrepreneurs themselves. How did that affect you at having a seat at the table, at building your own table? How was that like? Yeah, so I'm half Mexican, half Chinese. Grew up in Southern California. Grew up in a very kind of entrepreneurial family. My dad was, uh, he had an import-export business out of China, uh, worked in LA. So I grew up really in his office, watching him and his sister and my uncle kind of start their own company. I think what it really left me with was just the permission, like the permission to do something that was a little bit more untraditional. And so I met my two business partners at school in DC and the one thing that we shared was that all of us were actually from immigrant entrepreneurial families and so even though we went to a school where they kind of conditioned you to work on Wall Street or be a consultant we kind of bonded over the fact that we could just try something that was a little bit more risky but what we told ourselves was you know the opportunity cost of doing something that risky when you're younger is a lot lower than when you know, maybe you have a family or maybe you know you have a high-paying job and we were kind of already used to sleeping on couches and eating pizza so we didn't we didn't realize 
realized that we had to take a big leap of faith at that point. That That's crazy because now you just recently became a dad. You told me offline, right? Yeah. Full circle. What is one thing you wouldn't do anymore that you did in the early days? Like you're like, no, 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 I have a baby. I'm not doing that stuff anymore. And uh, flip side of that, like what are you better at now? Now that you have a baby, you have to be more focused with your time, right? Like would love to hear about that whole journey now you becoming a dad and now you have to give someone else permission and pave way for them, right? Totally. Great question. Yeah, I feel like over the last year and a half, I've really learned the power of balance and I feel like having a kid and having a family really just like is so conducive to turning your brain off. And I feel like before, even the early days of building Sweetgreen, we worked really hard. And then it was hard to figure out how to context switch back to a normal life because you're just really working, kind of living in the gray, you know, working and living and having the opportunity to have a family and a baby has been a really nice opportunity to kind of take a step back and have and actually have some balance. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Tell us something you're like, I have a baby. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm glad I did that in my heydays, but that's not happening anymore. Yeah, we were on the road all the time. I mean, the three of us pretty much living a very nomadic lifestyle, especially when we were living in DC and building our restaurants on the East Coast. We would live on the Amtrak back and forth. And so every few days we would go up to New York, we would go up to Boston, stop in Philly, stop in Baltimore. And I'm very happy that we did that when we did it. I feel like we always joke that a lot of our early board meetings and like founders meetings happened on that train and having the time to do that. And I feel like now, I don't know if I'd travel as much as I used to, but uh, grateful we got it in when we did. That's incredible. And if I was a board member, I would be almost impressed. Like, let me not bother these guys too much. They're on the train, like <laughs> any more grace because you guys were so busy? It almost happened naturally. Like the three of us actually still sit in the same office. Our partnership kind of lives in the moments in between meetings, you know, in between big moments. And I feel like that's what keeps us going is a little bit more of the casual nature to it, knowing that we're always able to have like almost one, you know, board meetings are four times a year, but having one consistent conversation throughout the year is really powerful in terms of being in sync and having the rhythm of the business. And so, yeah, I feel like it's really just the casual nature of what we are able to do. I have two co-founders as well and they've wanted to murder me a couple of times and vice versa and we've built a system now like we'll try to definitely grab dinner once a week like that's our thing Wednesday night we complain we fix it we really come together and heal and then we're good again for another week and that is a new thing we added anything you guys have any ritual you have on doing this together because it's so hard people don't realize how hard it is you spend so much time with your co-founder more than your partner right so any rituals you have any tips yeah, rituals are really important. I've, they've definitely evolved as we've gotten older. We used to spend all of our time together. And now because all of us have families and, and we've grown up a little bit, we really have to kind of make the time. Yeah. Kind of have like a sacred once a year, we go on an offsite, just the three of us and talk about business, we talk about life. And that's something that's that's we always do every year. And then we probably do like a monthly dinner and spend the time and, and try to kind of talk about work but less in the context of day-to-day -day meetings and more in the context of the future. And, and that's been really helpful too. I love that. Any cool places you guys have been to together? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've traveled a lot together. We just went to Joshua Tree. Uh, that's we awesome. have gone to, I mean, we've traveled internationally. We've gone to Tokyo together, which was a really oh, wow. fun trip. Again, going back to that living in the gray, it's like you kind of live your work life and your real life together and you have to find the right way as a, as a founder, and I'm sure you know it as an entrepreneur, to like integrate the two. And sometimes it's very challenging. Yeah, less work-life balance, more work-life harmony, if you exactly. will. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, hey, so you guys have 
I mean, you guys know this. Like, uh, saying this is just like you know, the stating the most obvious thing in the world. You have the the most incredible marketing, branding, storytelling, community, ever, and you have some incredible campaigns. Your favorite, the one you're the most proud of. I'd love to hear from you. Is it uh, the Kendrick one? Is my personal favorite. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm a huge fan. But tell me about yours. Yeah, big Kendrick fan as well. Honestly, the whole Sweet Life Festival era that we did in DC was a very special time. I feel like it was beginning of Instagram, so it wasn't like social media didn't really exist yet. And it was important to us because it was a moment where we, I think we had eight or 10 restaurants and we really wanted to build a brand outside of just the restaurants. And it was really important to us to build a community and a lifestyle brand that could connect to a younger generation. So all of us are passionate about music. We must have seen so many live shows at the 930 Club in DC. And it really inspired us to kind of have a block party in our parking lot, in in our second restaurant. Uh, and then from there, throw a food and music festival at Meriwether Post Pavilion for, for almost, I think it was six years, 2011 to 2016. And it was such a bet. You know, we kind of bet the farm on it. We had no experience in throwing a big event like that. Um, we were booking talent, selling tickets. And our vision was to kind of replace all the concessions inside the festival grounds with local food, whether it was Luke's Lobster or Rappahannock Oyster Bar or Sweet Green or a lot of our friends in DC and make it a both experiencing great food and great music because those things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. They can happen together. Wait, you guys did not bring in professionals to run that event? You guys did it internally? Well, we, ha- we had a partner. Uh, we okay. had a production partner um, okay. at Meriwether who did all of the kind of music production piece and we handled all the marketing and we worked together to book talent. That is nuts. Uh, that is incredible. I-, I did not know that. Like, it seems like you guys are having fun and staying true to yourself. Today, looking back, everything you did is a beautiful. It's a straight line and these guys are geniuses back then when you pitched it first time i'm sure that it wasn't affordable was it hard to pitch things like that the early days get the board or others around you to say hey this is not crazy this is there's a vision here or did people always get it were you guys always like all right we were able to always convince everyone what this will look like 10 15 years from now i would say it's a little bit of both i mean we we opened our first restaurant in the middle of the recession so we, we got so many no's when we went to go raise money that first time, the amount of no's that we got was pretty crazy. And you just learn the biggest lesson that we have as founders is you have to have a really thick skin. You have to have a really thick skin and you got to have resilience and you got to keep pushing. And I feel like that's just been the energy behind a lot of these things where uh, whether it was Sweet Life Festival or building new restaurants or, or raising money or building the brand, it's, it's been like clarity of vision and a lot of resiliency just to push through and get it done and making a ton of mistakes on the way there for sure. But I, as you know, at Lunchbox, I probably have a pretty clear vision of what you want to do. And a lot of times in order to do what you want to do, you have to do things that are a bit uncomfortable or a bit, you know, untraditional for what the norm is in order for you to be original and have a uniqueness in the market. And so with things like Sweet Life, we just knew in our heart that if we could pull this off, it would really just create another narrative around the, around the Sweet Green brand. And eventually it would kind of drive awareness and eventually would drive sales but it was one of those bets that we wanted to build a world that had nothing to do necessarily with the retail piece of it but had to do with like the world that we wanted to build around the company that's that's incredible and and inspiring and it's i I don't think people realize how much courage it takes to build what you've built i think people talk about because sweet greed has this incredible community they can you know do a lot of different things right they can pull in X or Y and the community will respond back. But I think what is hard for people to realize is you guys have been giving back to the community 
for so long it's easy when it's time to ask so kudos to you guys for paving the way and doing things that is not so traditional and teaching the rest of us how to do it too no thank you yeah hey so quick question we talked a little bit about your favorite campaign from your company anyone else out there that inspires you any brand out there that you look at and you're like you know i, I like what they're doing uh they might be small they might be big but I, i enjoy what they're doing and that's fun i like a lot of kind of these smaller companies that have a really powerful voice i feel like and are doing things that are unique in the space i have a lot of respect for what the guys at liquid death are doing with their, a lot of their brand and marketing yeah. we have uh some friends that have a, a clothing company called mad happy i like what noah is doing uh in new york from a clothing brand and i and um, nice. honestly just like one of my favorite brands of all time is in and out in terms of the simplicity of what they I do love that. and the food they serve and and just the commitment to quality i love that that's awesome i'm definitely going to go order more stuff from Noah even though even they're pricey I, I got to check them out but I've not been to the store yet I've heard great things I love their online shop the one release I have is Friday night shopping that's my thing got that's it. A, that's my like one thing I need which is like <laughs> Friday night don't have a lot of energy left you know uh, online shopping so uh added it to the Friday list hey so now is the controversial stuff is Sweetgreen a West Coast company or a East Coast company seems like it's a East Coast company I've been debating with our internal team I've been saying no they built it on the East Coast guys but you tell me you're an LA guy you tell me so I grew up in LA yes um but I would say Sweetgreen is was born on the East Coast born in DC and I would say a lot of our soul is East Coast. I think a lot of our operating identity is now West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um but here's what I would say is I look back at those early years building this company and so much of the blueprint of Sweet Green came out of DC. It came wow. out of going to the farmers market, having Sunday suppers in the community, throwing sweet life, meeting neighbors, just understanding that community and and it really gave us so much in terms of how we interest, introduce ourselves to the community, how we built the brand and so we actually took a lot of that blueprint mm-hmm. from DC up the east coast and and on the west coast and now honestly in more of the middle of the country and so we owe a lot to that community um really like 2007 to gala 2016 of us kind of being incubating the brand there That's amazing. You guys are opening places everywhere. Any opening that led you to go to a place for the first time and you're like, "Oh, wow, this is great. I'm here because of the opening. I haven't been here before, but this is a delight. This place is a delight." Yeah, there's a lot of lot of places. Sweetgreen has given me the passport to visit so many cities uh in the US. We just opened a few restaurants in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, which has been really fun to visit. We opened our first automated restaurant in Naperville outside of Chicago which has been fun and we just opened a few stores in Milwaukee. So yeah, it's been a great passport to visit new cities. I love it. All right, we're going to do East Coast versus West Coast. I have six questions for you. You pick a yeah. side. You know, you can't sit past, all right? Cuz these are very controversial question. The first one is the hardest one. East Coast versus West Coast. Hip hop. Who has better hip hop? Um Oh man. I would say ah oh, man. This is tough. tough. I would I, I would tough. say West Coast hip hop. Okay, who who do you love out there? I'm like one of my early first CDs was Chronic 2001. So, oh, wow. uh nice. I say hey, like all of Dre, the all of Snoop. I mean that even like some of that early Tupac stuff like that. Love it. I I grew up with. Love it. All right. I'm on the East, you know, I have to pick Queens as a hip hop mecca and so, you know, I'm picking yeah. East Coast. Okay, I'll give you a layup, okay? I'll give you an easy one. Who has the better NBA team? 
I mean, it's this so hard quick. to say that. I feel like so, this one's easy. This is. I feel like we all agree who has the better. I mean, I feel like the Lakers have, the Lakers. have always been really great. Kobe in his heyday, yeah. So one of my heroes is Kobe Bryant. Yeah. In fact, I have a tattoo here that says Brown Mamba. Because he was the black mamba and I'm brown. So no controversy there. All right, who has better weather? You know I what? This I, one's easy. I, I like East Coast weather. All right, two for one. I like the seasons. Two, two for one. All right, two for one. All right, who has better people? This is tough. This is the only one you can pass on. This is the only one you can pass on. I'm going to pass on that one. Okay, that one you can pass. All right, who has better fashion? East Coast. East Coast, okay. Last one. Who has better food? I would say East Coast as well. What do you like out there? I don't know. It's a lot of these local spots. Again, I, I kind of think about East Coast and I think more about, I think, DC and some of the cities that we started in. I mean, New York is obviously the, some of like the best restaurants in the world, but for me, I like some of these smaller hole-in-the-wall places. And even on the West Coast, like growing up close to San Gabriel Valley, so many great Chinese restaurants out here yeah. and Asian flavors. So that's really a tough one too. All right. All right. We're done. All right. How was that? Did we, how do you feel? No, I feel great. All right. I feel All right. great. I, I feel like you were honest. I got to say, as a LA man, I feel like you gave us more credit than we deserve, and we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it on here on the East there's, Coast. There's a piece of my heart that's still on the East Coast, so. I love yeah. that. I love that. Okay, so quick question. All right. So within the last few years, Sweet Green was deemed one of the fast companies, most innovative companies of the year. Like, how do you feel like your passion for storytelling and brand expertise, you know, shape your career and by default, the company itself? Like how much of that, like, hey, this is a very innovative company. This is a, a incredible company is, you know, your job, the storytelling part of it all. Well, it's been such an evolution, right? I feel like so much of what we built in the beginning has been the foundation to what we're doing now. But the things that we did back then, we just can't do now because we're bigger and it just, the world has changed too. I think what's important is because we've been a founder-led company for a while, it always starts with our mission and values. Everything, every branding decision, every campaign you see is always rooted in some type of core value at Sweetgreen. And that becomes the really the framework for how we build the company. And we have a term internally called, we, we wanna create intimacy at scale. So how do you feel like that local place as you continue to get bigger? And it's very difficult and we haven't fully figured it out, but kind of going back to, it always comes back to the mission and values. And I don't know, I have one part of that. We have over 6,000 employees today. And so every employee has to represent the brand and, and our job as, as founders and as a leadership team is how do you create the right rituals and the ongoing con conversation and transparency to get those 6,000 people to also act uh, as great marketers and storytellers for the company. And that's kind of the magic trick yeah. of the whole thing. You know, you have more marketers than that. Every office in New York I will ever go to yeah. has a sweet green on the table. And that yeah. and those people are as invested in you guys as, you know, your team members. And it's amazing to watch the community you've built. I don't know how you you guys have done this, but every sweet green is the local salad joint. And it ha you know, it has the the commitment from the community in a way that I've never seen before, right? Uh, so I, I can tell it is working right as hard as that maybe it is working and you guys have more marketers than you know yeah i think a brand is as powerful as the community around it and our number one marketing channel by far is word of mouth mm -hmm. right it's not the cool naomi osaka campaign it's not the billboards you see it's not the digital advertising we do it's not the app it's really i mean think about how you probably found out about sweetgreen somebody probably told you about it and that is the power of how you build organic community is just through the power of word of mouth. And so we, we try as a company not to spend too much 
resources or even dollars on a ton of advertising, but ways to just to build community one person at a time. And a lot of times, even when we open these new markets, it's finding the hundred right people, whether they're a high school quarterback or the fitness person or the mommy blogger, whatever it is to kind of just become everybody's best friend. And that's always been our approach is how do you be a student of the community? How do you make sure Sweetgreen feels like that local place? And if you can pull that off, then it, it has a domino effect. I love that. I mean, as a former operator, I think the first group of restaurants thinking about when the pandemic happened was, you know, the New York City lunch spots, yeah. right? And I was thinking about Sweetgreen a lot. I was like, oh, oh my God, the pandemic is here. I wonder what's happening with Sweetgreen because they are such a lunch spot. Right? I go there for lunch almost all the time. You guys are on the other side and I think you guys have done a masterful job navigating that. Can we? Can you take us through those early days? How, what was going through, especially your mind? Like, you know, what was happening? It was, it must've been stressful. Yeah, I feel like us with a lot of, I mean, with everyone, you know, there was so many unknowns when the pandemic hit and where our brain first went was how do we make sure we take care of our people? You know, how do we make sure that we take care of our people, they're safe and figure out the best way to take care of the inside of the company first. And then, yeah, I mean, I, COVID is really challenging for us, especially because so much of our geography at the time was urban, you know, launch corporate traffic. But I do feel like, like anything, back to the idea of having really thick skin, being able to survive and learning the lesson of resilience early, you just have to push through and you have to have a mindset where you're going to get through it and do it in a way again back to the values and mission as long as you do make these decisions for the company that are in line with that even a mistake doesn't feel like a mistake because you, you know you made the right decision and so i think in those times when it's uncomfortable or it's unknown or you know lunch traffic has disappeared in new york for a bit you have to figure out a way to understand what you can control and what you can't control and for us it was really our digital ordering a lot of the work that we had done with delivery and a lot of like the secondary make lines that we had the ability to kind of really turn on during those moments and as long as we could take care of our people focus on our digital business and kind of just continue to push through on the brand we just knew that if we could get to the other side of it we'd be in a much better company Wow, that's amazing. And, and and I remember when you guys launched your dinner menu. Yeah. Uh, and it was only available on the app. Am I making this yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. I remember started on the app. On app only. And I'm like, this is what all of us should do. First of all, I saw a couple of things from my point of view. I was like, look, they're making an ask finally to their community and their community will respond because they've given time and time and again. That's one. Second, this is exclusive and they're continuing to build their own, you know, digital, you know, storefront. And that is awesome. So, you know, uh, I'm just a student of Sweet Green and I'm such a fan of what everything you guys are doing. And I'm so happy I got to talk to you uh, as a former CMO. Uh, you know, I've been watching your stuff and to chat with you is also a, a bit surreal. So thank you so much for making some time. Nabil, thank you for having me. And again, congrats on everything with Lunchbox. It's very cool to see. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. 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 Yeah.